What is up, guys? Welcome to the Meeting of Podcast. I'm Andres. This is RB3. I'm Sabrina. And this is our very special guest, Mr. Winston Marshall in the house. What is up, man? What's good? Just, just damn it. Ah, damn. Uh, on this episode, guys, we're going to be talking about the meaning of black superheroes. This is something that uh, Winston is passionate about. Uh, and I think it's a very relevant topic to be talking about nowadays. So happy to have you on, man. How are you feeling? I'm good. I'm I'm tired, bro. Cause like I uh, I revived my show, Positive Black People News, which just means that I am like my days from start to finish are just packed full of like stuff to do. So like it's I'm happy. I'm very happy that it's back. But it also means that like I I don't know what sleep is anymore. I, that is Ooh. that is a distant dream that I don't even really get to talk about much anymore. <laughs> oh, I feel that a hundred percent, man. Uh, why is this a topic that you wanted to bring up, man? Uh, what black superheroes? Yeah. Um, I mean it's you know in the same for the same reason I brought my show back. It's it has a lot to do with the fact that this particular time that we're in right now is almost like a, uh, another wave of like the civil rights movement. Uh, mm. They talk about the various uh, waves of feminism. I would argue this is another wave of the civil rights movement. We've been, we've been on the edge of it for a while between uh, trying to push getting Barack in office and then trying to get more people of color in like Senate seats and congressional seats and marching and, and you know, the riots in Ferguson and everything else. But something was very different about right now, and it's it's full blown started to happen now. Everybody seems to finally get it, and we're we're seeing a, a push. And so part of that too is you've slowly started to see black superheroes get a little bit more shine over the years. But I found that especially within the last couple of years, I mean, between shows like Black Lightning and Luke Cage, uh, the fact that like Falcon is about to be Captain America and Falcon and Winter Soldier. You're, you're starting to see Black Panther, obviously. Uh, you're starting to see this this like collective, not only desire, but respect for black superheroes, which the other thing that I love too, that's pushing for all other superheroes as well. Um, I feel like especially in America, um, obviously every single marginalized group uh, is equally as important and has stuff that needs to be uh, addressed by the country. But a lot of times things seem to start with black folk and then kind of you see a trickle effect happen. Yeah. Uh, I feel like we're seeing kind of a similar thing. Uh, the fact that like Kamala Khan is, uh, you know, in the works to happen. The fact that we um, are getting stuff like uh, 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 the Inhumans, uh, not the Inhumans. I'm sorry. My brain is tired. The Eternals. The, thank you. The Eternals and the fact that you're going to have legitimate LGBTQ representation happening mm -hmm. in that too. Uh, obviously you're seeing, uh, I, I wouldn't, I would be remiss to say that like, obviously even though Black Widow has been a part of the OG Avengers, I would argue the success of both Black Panther and Captain Marvel is what's further pushing that, at least on the Marvel side of things, obviously Wonder Woman being part of the Holy Trinity of DC, she was gonna get that regardless, but yeah. you'll, you'll continue to see more of that expansion of just not the white superhero based upon how these others essentially are doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And one of the things is the importance of, of showing these superheroes on screen. Obviously, we're going to talk about the comic version as well. But the importance of it, it really does make a difference to so many kids and, and people of all ages who take inspiration from this. Uh, do you want to touch on that a little bit, Sabrina? 
Yeah, I mean, representation, it's something that we've talked about on this channel a lot. And we even talked about it when we were talking about like, you know, black actors and actresses and the things they had to go through in this industry, but specifically in this genre, because I mean, we have so many young people that kind of attach themselves to comic books and attach themselves to the superhero genre at a really early age. And it's important to have that diversity, have that representation on screen, because if you're not represented in the media, it's like you're almost not included. So my favorite, like a Spider-Man movie of all time is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. And that was my favorite, like, exactly. And I mean, the second, I know RB3 and I saw it when it came out and like, I was absolutely floored by how incredible that film was and how special and important it was to everything that was happening. And it really is like pushing that, winning an Oscar. I mean, like, it's really exciting, but yeah, representation is definitely number one, especially when it comes to this type of genre, since it is, it's so inclusive in age. We have children that enjoy the superhero genre, and then we have all the way to like our elders and older people that grow up on it. So, yeah, it's super important. RB3, you want to touch on that? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, you know, we spoke on it before in, you know, our Black Cinema episode that we did last week about how. For a long time in cinema, African-Americans and Black people in general just weren't represented any sort of way. Um, we look towards a lot of stars, you know, from other places like, you know, Bruce Lee um, in terms of karate movies and, and, and kung fu cinema, martial arts cinema, to black exploitation, all these different avenues that we were able to express something more than just poverty and something more than just struggle and slavery. Like we look for heroes that people could look up to. And ultimately, yeah, when we, when, you know, the, the, the thing about superheroes is that they've always represented something as an alternative to what we experience in real life as a sort of like escapism, either if it's in comic book form or in movie form, but it's hard to escape to a reality that you don't feel like you fit into. Um, so that's why um, the importance of, like everybody here said, representation, the importance of diversity, um, both in, terms of the comic book characters, but also the creation of these comic book movies and shows to make sure that there's a good, um, there's a good solid message like lying underneath. That's why I was moved by movies like Sabrina said, like Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, like Black Panther, um, you know, like all these new, uh, new age superhero movies that are incorporating um, potent like social themes on top of being fun superhero movies, I think is really important. It's really special for people to see and to talk about. Can, can I piggyback off yeah. of that a little bit? Um, I, you know, one of the things that I think is so important is you had brought up like, for example, RB3, like people like, oh, well, you know, 12 Years a Slave, you know, Lupita won for that and blah, blah, blah. But like, let's be real. While you look at the eventual, like seeing uh, Chichua Elta for like getting free and all that kind of stuff, no one is aspiring to be a freed slave. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? There's nothing about that that is encouraging to be like, yeah, mm -hmm. that's exactly what I want to do. I want to have 12 years of getting my ass whooped and, and being abused. And then I want to like get my freedom. That is, but but people can aspire to be Shuri and invent mm. like technology that can like change the world. People can aspire to be Captain America. Again, why Falcon is so important, you know? People can aspire to be like, you know, the Green Lantern, uh, John Stewart, who like was a Marine turn into like a space marine slash cop you know what i'm saying like those are all things to aspire to versus you know 
slavery movies or the help or things like you know what i'm saying like i, I think it is so important to see something like that yeah and i really want to bring up something that came out last year and it's it's a show that i consider to be one of the best comic book shows of all time uh and it just came out and that's watchmen um mm. and the way watchmen handled the idea not only of the, the the real life tragedy uh, of oppression and racism that has been going on in America for years, but the idea of the comic book origin RB three and I'm and I'm throwing it to you because this was your idea, the fact that th it will always be one of my favorite moments in all of TV history, the, the scene where uh, I believe it's episode six and he walks by the comic book stand or or the newspaper stand and he's reading Superman, and the idea that the immigrant story of Superman who were created by Jewish writers who, who felt left out and who felt oppressed against came up with Superman as this idea of power and of hope and of strength. And, and it was taking away the idea of, of this white supremacist uh, ideology that was ingrained within America and especially the police system. So when he walks by and he says, oh, what is that? Oh, it's a story about this immigrant guy who, who rises up and takes back his power. And he's like, oh, that's good. Like he felt it. That moment was so powerful to me. And it shows you, RB3, the, 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 the superhero origin itself comes, stems from that. Yeah. And uh, just to jump off that, I mean, there's another brilliant scene in, in Watchmen that also happens right after that that moment, uh, not in the exact same episode, but um, in episode seven, um, I, when we meet a young uh, Angela Abar and she's yeah. in the video store in Vietnam and then she picks up a videotape of a black exploitation movie and wants to buy it, even though it's rated R and even though her parents aren't okay with it, because it's a superhero that looks like her. And that's a very important part to her. Like there, there's something that she could see herself in. So like the whole, you know, so for Watchmen, they really emphasize the point that superheroes are meant to be for everybody. They're not just meant to be for, you know, like white people, for Eurocentric people. It's for the entire world to get behind and to identify with. And I think, you know, when you talk about the superhero genre in general, in general, I think there are a lot of superheroes that do have very universal backstories. Like for me, Spider-Man, I think I think the Spider-Man origin story is a perfect example. The Peter Parker origin story particularly is a perfect example. That could be a black kid. That could be a white kid. That could be an Asian, Asian kid. That could be a Latino kid. That is such a universal story because it is about a kid who doesn't fit in, who loses his parents and is only living with his aunt and uncle, which is a very relatable thing, loses his uncle. And it's, it's, it's such a, it's such a organic human story that anybody could put themselves in there. And that's why I think, and you look at a lot of comic book stories and it's the exact same way. Look at X-Men, you look at all of these things, there are ways you can relate it to the individual. So it doesn't necessarily have to be just for one race, for one type of people, it could be for everybody. Yeah. Yeah, and, and my thing, uh, kind of tossing it about Superman, just because you have here in the notes about the evolution of the superhero genre, is because a lot of people forget that about Superman. People forget, like, Superman's origin was supposed to be the other, the immigrant, the person who's coming into a different society, into a different culture, and changing it, and being better than the people that think they're better than he is. Um, and that's kind of the representation of what Superman is, and that's why he's probably my all-time favorite superhero, him and Batman and Spider-Man, um, are my favorites because they represent something different. Uh, and, and that's why 
the superhero genre itself and the comic book genre was always geared towards kids who felt a little bit other, kids who felt a little bit left out. Uh, and reading that comic book made you feel inspired. Um, any yeah, thoughts on so. that? I mean, yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree with that uh, in the sense that it, it's part of the reason why I really love the idea uh, of the multiverse and that you actually mm. do have various versions of Superman and Batman and all that throughout the, the various worlds. I mean, even into the Spider-Verse, as, as you talked about uh, before, the fact that, you know, um, you have the standard world that you see Peter B. Parker be from, but then you have the world that there is a Peter Parker, but there's also Miles. And then there's a world uh, with uh, with Penny Parker, and there's a world with, with Gwen. Like, there's that, it literally does encompass the fact that this hero, this ideology of a spider person can be encompassed throughout. Um, it's the same thing again with Superman. What I love, there is a version of it that came out. Uh, I want to say about halfway through Obama's term, where the the Kal-el that showed up on Earth ended up being Obama. Like essentially, that's and so the president is Superman and is a black Superman on top of that. And so, like the idea of even that, because that's the other thing that people forget. People want to immediately go. Oh well, Superman—he's clearly white. No, Superman's an alien. There's nothing that that is instinct to his his uh, his race or his ethnicity, because he's literally a humanoid alien. He can be anybody, completely. You know what I'm saying? Versus, because people like to argue, well, you wouldn't like it if T'Challa was white all of a sudden. Well, him being in a part of Africa that was untouched. That would literally not make logical sense to to racially bend him at all. Um, if you wanted to maybe reset it in another part of the world, so if you wanted to maybe make him Indian, and maybe there would like you could talk about the colonization of England into India, and maybe there's a small part of the country where you had a T'Challa like chilling there, something like that. But there is something specific about T'Challa that is an untouched part of Africa that produced this country and this culture and this superhero you know what i mean so like that's the other thing that i think is very interesting about the uh uh like black and and multi-diverse i don't i don't know what word i would say there uh right. heroes is is based off of how that plays because the same thing could be said about uh, uh diana about wonder woman again there's nothing specific about that says that she has to be uh white even to the point where she's technically around greece mm -hmm. you have the odds of her being very olive skinned and not and not necessarily white, which is why you've seen versions of her like that as well in the multiverse and stuff like that. So, yeah, and and I want to get back to the idea of where this stems from. And when you look at the history of comic book stories, and you look at the history uh, of black superheroes, you see that a lot of it was inspired by real life, by the civil mm -hmm. rights movement, by people who were trying to make a change within their community. Uh, characters like Black Panther like Falcon, these were characters that were inspired by that. Um, do, what are your thoughts on that, Sabrina, and the idea of creators like Stan Lee and Kirby really seeing this movement as something that should be talked about? Yeah, it's really interesting because a lot of a lot of what I, when I was introduced to the superhero genre came from my dad. And so even mm. earlier when you mentioned like Superman and things like that, he connected with all of those because he came from Mexico and he kind of just fell out of place for a long time, even though he was in Chicago and Chicago is very diverse and you know, it's pretty liberal. People aren't 
we don't really experience too much over there. It's still prevalent everywhere else. So the mixture of that and just kind of with comic books being a reflection of our world and how superheroes can kind of enhance that, how we can kind of fight certain situations like the civil rights movement. We have like all those comic book characters being in those grounded stories when they're kind of dealing with the real world issues that we have today. Those are some of my favorites that when I was a kid, those were my favorites growing up. I got a little into the, you know, the more out there stories later on. Um, but that's just really what I love because it, it is so uplifting and it just gives you hope with all of that. And I feel like that's kind of like what Stanley and all of them were going for. It just makes everybody feel better. It feels like we can be our own superheroes. We can also make a change. We can take on those mantles as well and do that ourselves. We don't need those superpowers. We're just seeing somebody else, an enhanced person doing that for us. So I really, really enjoy that aspect of it. That's one of the reasons why my favorite books for sure have been the X-Men because it was specifically yeah. modeled after the civil rights movement with Professor X being uh, uh, Martin Luther King and Magneto being Malcolm X and the idea of the uh, opposing ideologies of peace versus violence and what does that mean? How much of it is self-defense? How much are you like, you know what I'm saying? And all that kind of yeah. stuff and how all of the mutants really are just other. They're just trying to live their life and people yeah. just hate them just for who they are. You know what I mean? It's that I, I love. And I mean, obviously, as a film and TV like podcast, I mean, y'all talk about this all the time. The meaning of it is the idea of that. A lot of times in order for us to process what we're going through, we need a metaphor. And what better metaphor than, you know, I'm being judged because I can shoot lasers from my eyes. You know what I'm saying? Like like that. But I don't mean ill. It's just how I was right. Like how I was born. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, and I, I think for X X Men is definitely an example of something that they took directly from the civil rights movement and made it uh, as a part of their thing, um, as a part of their overall story. Now, I do, for me with X Men, I, I I do find it a little contentious with the whole with that with the whole relationship of Malcolm X versus Martin Luther King, only for the fact of like you know they create this meta they have this metaphor and they've spoken about this metaphor, but they don't really have a lot of black X-Men characters outside of Storm. So for that reason, it's like a little, I, I always have a little bit of a of a hesitance with that comparison. However, I do think, um, I do think as well as the civil rights uh, illusion between Malcolm X and Martin Luther King, I do think it is very much about the, the Jewish struggle that happens in, for Jews and uh, throughout the world and throughout this country. And I think that comes particularly from like the influence of like Stanley, Jack Kirby, uh, Dicko and all of that f from their own like background and heritage. And the idea of like the mutants being people who are um, in society and have powers, but it's not necessarily powers it, like that for a lot of mutants, a lot of mutants have outwardly things that change their appearance, but a lot of them don't. And that's kind of the whole Jewish struggle, right? Like the idea of like you being different for literally being the same as everybody else on the outside, but you being different and you being judged and you being uh, uh, ostracized for something that's on the inside. Um, so like that is, uh, you know, for me, like when I look at the mutants, I always think about that more, that 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 Jewish struggle that kind of uh, exists for a lot of mutants, I think, in the, in the X-Men universe too. Like when you think of people like Pyro and Iceman and, um, even Wolverine to some extent, like he, they have normal appearances and they have right. like a normal kind of vibe, but uh, it's for the reasons that are inside of them and their genetic code and their genetic identity, which is why they're hated, which is something that is 
you know, relevant for Jewish people. That's something that's relevant for black people. Uh, for that's something that's relevant for Native American people. That's something that's relevant for um, a lot of the uh, uh, Japanese Americans who, in the history of America, you know, got taken into internment camps during World War II um, after Pearl Harbor. So there's a lot of there's a lot of areas where you could look at like those metaphors and be like, yeah, that that relates to this, that relates to that, that relates to this. And then again, like you said, going back to the idea of Superman, it's like of that being an immigrant story. There are just so many ways that these superhero origin stories can be applied to everybody and every individual in order for it to just be as relevant and as, as frankly, political as, as, it, as, as it can be. Because a lot of people are like, oh, comics aren't about politics. Comics aren't about race and all that stuff. You're literally not looking at it if you if you think that because it's, it's right there. It's, it's literally right in front of you. So. What, what what's the term from uh from the movie? You're, you were you're blind spotting. Honestly, oh yeah, huh. see it, you know. And I, I I push back a little bit on X Men uh, RB three in the sense that sure you only have maybe Storm as one of the major key players uh, as far as a black superhero in that team. But you have Beast, which literally his whole story is about that idea where he is an intellectual and people just look at literally his outside appearance and immediately assume. So I always I always related to Beast in the sense as like a black man that, that people instantly look at him and go, he's a threat. He's a threat. When it's like, nah, I'm a gentle giant. I read poetry. I, I, I do science. Like, that's not like, get out of here. Like, now, if you test me, you can get these hands. But but like, you know, I see that. But then you see the representation from like Jubilee who's a part of the team. Mm. I mean, obviously, Cajun is, at least the traditional level of that, is going to be a lot of white. But, like, the fact that you have, a, like, a gambit being represented and stuff like that. Um, uh, like, you 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 get X-Men from all over the world. The fact that Colossus is Russian. I mean, Nightcrawler, mm. who also kind of... German. Again, German, but also blue-skinned people, again, are looking at him as, like, some sort of... So, you know what I mean? I, that's why I kind of gravitated towards it, because it was, yes... The idea that you could get into like the Jewish struggle, for example, of I can blend in, but I'm still being persecuted and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but then you literally have people that have their outward appearance is the reason why they're being attacked. Uh, but mm -hmm. that's kind of why I love that story so much. It's probably my favorite superhero team. Yeah, I, I love X-Men. And I think X-Men has always been one of the most political uh, comic books and stories of, of comic book history probably um and i absolutely love them too and wolverine's canadian no i'm kidding <laughs> that's true. That's true. No, no, you're right he is canadian, uh, he's another. Uh, but but let's go back uh just before we because i don't want to jump over them especially in comic book origin because i really want to get to tv and film which is kind of our forte um but in comic book origin talk to me about kind of the the first three or the holy three which is black panther uh, Luke Cage and probably Falcon. I don't know if you guys can correct me on that, but I would say oh, those are probably sounds, the big first three. That sounds about right. And and the interesting thing is there's this level of like doing them justice and that that I where I always give Jack and Stan a lot of credit is that they didn't there was no there's no need to go back and erase them from history the way that like Disney has to get rid of Song of the South. You know what I'm saying? There's no, there's nothing that they ever did that was like, oh shit, son. But at the same time, I look at, for example, Luke Cage's um, origin story. I, I always go back and forth with it because, on the one hand, it is a story about a man who is innocent being framed, ends up in prison, 
and that's how he gets his powers. But even the simple fact of a black man was in prison and experimented on, like I get these, I, I both am like, okay, you got the black man in prison shit, but you're also kind of tapping into Tuskegee Airmen, like, and the experimentations that happen on them, uh, the Tuskegee experiments. So mm -hmm. like, there's this weird, like, I don't know, man, but also thank you for doing this. You know what I mean? Which is kind of like a weird back and forth. I mean, same thing with Falcon. Falcon being a military man. Um, the fact that like you again, for a lot of black people, they were told, you know, if you go and fight for your country, you'll this, that, and the other. As far back as the Revolutionary War, if you fight for us, you'll be free when this is all said and done and they keep you in slavery. And you're, you know, like, so there is also that element, but you have to just think about exactly that. If you look at, how this society went up i know that the greater message is that again we're all like black people are just like the rest of us and we're good but you're looking at military which is what happens a lot of black people get farmed into the military like that's a way you can get out prison you know that's another way to get out or you're just african you're not even a part of this shit. you're just somewhere way over here in some like so there is this weird level of like huh, because then i even tap to a more recent one in static and I love Static. Static is incredible. Uh, um, but even his origin story is good kid ended up rolling with the gang one time. A gang war breaks out. An experimental gas blows up in his face and he gets superpowers. Now, mind you, he wasn't a part of that gang life, but he went one time to a gang war. And like that's kind of so like it's it's real. I get it. It's they're trying to tap into it. But there's also something to be said why I like Miles, for example, it's yeah. very similar to Peter. I just got bit by a fucking spider. My uncle died, and here I am. Yeah, you know? and so. it happened to be smart. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess that that gets into like I guess a little bit of what we're gonna talk about like in the second half. But like how for normal superheroes, like the origin story is a very traditional, like atypical kind of origin story. But for black superheroes, they kind of readapted yeah. into uh, into talking about issues that pertain to us like even though it is sad that like somebody like a luke cage origin story is from prison the unfortunate part about it is that um in this in the united states one of every three black men are going to have a rap sheet throughout their lifetime um even though um even though static shock is you know a good kid who gets caught in the wrong environment for a lot of black youth in this country that's the unfortunate reality so it's sure. it's like they they have to you know for a lot of black heroes, they reimagine the origin story in a way that like fits uh, towards uh, telling their stories. So that's what, you know, ultimately I think is, I think that's the kind of like interesting dichotomy that comes with it. Like either you could do something like a Miles Morales route that's more of a direct, you know, just a reboot of what the traditional Spider-Man story is, or you do something like a Luke Cage, like a Black Panther, like, all these other characters and you kind of revise it to be more relevant to the individual issues. It opens up such an interesting conversation, right? About the idea of accuracy and accurate representation versus the idea of kind of something to, to go after uh, a little bit more lofty and uh, in, in, in the idea of an origin story, as far as like, I want to see someone who has a different background. Um, I have a lot of thoughts about that, specifically with the Latino side of it, which, again, every single Latino is trying to kill you, shoot you, sell drugs to you, some sort of gangster in any way. Uh, and I'm always kind of put off by that because I'm like, we get that. But at the same time, I'm like, yo, at least we got a brown guy on screen. <laughs> right. uh, that's something I always debate. But it's such an interesting conversation because 
I don't know, man. Part of me is like, Miles, how many, how many, how many Puerto Rican black kids are are in Brooklyn right now? Like a lot. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's probably a lot of Miles Morales out there, and right. and it's it's very relatable in that sense where it's like you don't need to have necessarily like the former gangbanger background turned superhero to be inside this comic book story. Uh, what what are your thoughts on that, Sabrina? The idea of of accuracy and the idea of representation, regardless of the fact of how it's portrayed. Well, I mean, I think we could see from the example that we have white superheroes that have come from every single type of background, all different areas, and we have every single one of those stories being told. So I feel like that should be the same. We can have, humans are multifaceted. We all come from different situations. So there can be the stories like the Luke Cages, but there can also be the Miles Moraleses. Let's just bring out more of them so we can cover all these different bases. That's the really important thing. It's like, it's important to tell all the stories because somebody who's a little kid and they're they're reading the news and they see the things that are happening in the news to other people that look like themselves, maybe they want to see somebody who's in a part of the country that is, you know, um, doesn't really get like the government funding that others do. They don't have the nicest schools and they could see like, you know what? I have my Miles Morales. This is me. Like maybe I'm really into science and I can go do this. So that's just really the important thing. I think it's just telling all these different stories, which is something that we talk about with representation. Um, yeah, again, humans are multifaceted. We have so many different aspects to us. So I think just the more stories, the better. I, I'm open to read and to, um, experience on screen as many different stories as they want to yeah. tell. I just, honestly, the most important thing is I just want the diversity and I just want the representation. I, I agree. And I think part of that is we need, we just need more of these heroes and that's what helps. Yeah. But like, I think the, the reason why I brought that up RB3 and why that, why that particularly to me bothers me is because what's to say that like uh, you have a version of say Dr. Strange, let's just assume, let's pretend Dr. Strange was black. What's to stop a dude who was a surgeon, who got his hands broke, who then went and learned mystical powers and became like the greatest source, like the Sorcerer Supreme. You know what I'm saying? Like it doesn't have to be a black person got wrongfully framed, ended up in prison, and then they experiment on him and he, heck, he got superpowers. That That is my issue. And But I think part of the problem is they're, we're getting there, but we haven't gotten to the point yet where we have a shit ton of black and Latin and Asian soup. You know what I'm saying? So you're going to get kind of driven that stuff. They're like, okay, well, we know that like gang banging is something black people deal with, but that's the thing. I barring a random incident at a party where shit went down. I, that has never been a part of my origin. You know what I'm saying? That's not, I, I was very blessed and fortunate that that's not uh, something that I grew up with. And, and what, uh, to quote Key and Peel from the Black Republican speech, black people are not a monolith. Like, like we're 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 all over the place. And so I just would hope that going forward, as more heroes are done, like raising Dion is one of the things that I absolutely love. Like this this black mom that's raising a kid just born with powers, and just even something like that. You know, there isn't any crazy tragedy happening there, it just happens in the same way a lot of superheroes you do get the tragic origin story, but most of them, you end up with a situation where they're like, here I am, this is me, I'm Diana Themyscira, like, I'm a superhero, you know what I mean? Like, that's what I hope we can see more, because we're, we're gonna get more heroes. That's the one thing that I do know that will happen, is we'll get more. Um, but like, what, even Jamie Reyes, the Blue Beetle, I mean, he, again, not like he comes from a 
a home that's shitty, but nothing specifically that's like stereotypical. You know what I'm saying? It's more just like his 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 dad is just a a a, a shitty person, or his stepdad is. His stepdad is shitty, um, but otherwise he's a good kid. His mom is wonderful. Like all, you know what I'm saying? So like you, there there are different ways to do this for sure. And it's like I, oh, go ahead, every three. Oh no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I was just gonna say it's the only brown one we got, man. That's all we got. <laughs> we got one. Blue Beetle, that's it. <laughs> Wait a minute, hold on, hold on. You got Blue Beetle, you got Miles. Um Miles. you got that's it. <laughs> no, 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 no. What's we her done? Name? No, no, no. What's her what's her name? Uh God, is it is it Miss America? Hold on. I'm gonna figure yeah. it out. She's a America she's a... America Chavez. I think so. Isn't she yeah. like a she's a a, a Latina like uh yeah. a, I think she's Latina and queer. Um yeah. and has I'm gonna look her up. Hold on. No, I know yeah. who you're talking about. Um yeah, we have her and then we have um who was I gonna say? Oh, Jessica Reyes, Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. 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 But she's new, so right. Uh, yes. RB3, yeah. go ahead. Oh, well, you know, I was just going to uh, go off of what Winston said. Like, yeah, you, you know, Winston's absolutely right. Like, not all black people are monolith. Not all black people have the same kind of um, background and origin story and all that kind of stuff, which is why we need more people of color um, behind yes. telling these stories. It's why we need more black men and women writing these comic books, writing and directing these movies, uh, producing these movies, financing these movies, um, just all the way top down. That's why you just need change all the way across the board. Um, so, which is why I think, you know, which I think this is a really good era for, to see that kind of happen because we are seeing uh, uptick in um, understanding across uh, all of Hollywood of, of the, the changes that need to come. Um, I just hope that these changes are reflected through structural um, change, like, you know, laterally, not just vertically, not just um, from representation of the comic book, from, from the comic book characters and from actors on screen. It has to come from behind the camera. It has to come from on top of the camera, like the producers and the executives. So that's really where, if we want to see a lot of that change, it got to be top down. Oh, that's what I love about, even though you could call it a loose superhero uh, movie, but like See You Yesterday on Netflix, I mean, which is more about time travel, obviously, but kind of, I don't know if you, did you, did you, did y'all see it? No. No, no I, I, I am, I've seen it. Well, I haven't seen it, but I, I don't want to see it because I have timestamp, which is, you know, <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, another I, time travel I mean, movie. I mean, I feel you. I, I, I <laughs> yeah. do apologize. I didn't want to be to disrespect the, the, no, the, no, no, that's <laughs> but, but I, but it's it's what I love about that movie is, is it's kind of a similar thing where they're two really brilliant kids. They invent time travel, um, where you end up with a similar situation that I think is more prevalent is that it's they're not involved in any gang banging. The, one of the, the the main female protagonists, her older brother ends up getting killed by the cops. So the whole premise of the movie is they keep using the time travel to try and stop him. From getting killed by the police for like a wrongful identification but that to me is such a unique story where you are taking the universal black experience of police brutality but you're not she didn't come up from some broken anything she's just a really brilliant kid and now she's trying to undo a mm. problem with her intelligence you know what i mean mm. like that that's the kind of unique take on stuff that i would love to see more of yeah uh, is stuff like that yeah. Uh, and, and that's a lot to touch on, of course. And after the break, we're going to get to more about TV and film, uh, because I think that's kind of our forte, as we said before. So make sure you guys stick around. This ain't 
they said, don't you dare laugh With the 450 divide you in half You getting at me equals a club pass Check out Undress and RB3 review the new ESPN documentary, Be Water, about the life of the great Bruce Lee. Enjoy. I grew up on Bruce Lee. When I was six or seven years old, I think I saw Enter the Dragon uh, introduced to by my brother because my brother's, my brother's a big martial arts guy. Um, he also grew up on Bruce Lee and Jackie Chan and all this martial arts Hong Kong cinema. So I grew up on that and he immediately captivated me and made me fall in love with martial arts and made me fall in love with him and the idea of power and the idea of movement and the idea of all this kind of stuff that could be seen in uh, Asian martial arts that we've seen for the past hundreds of years that a, a lot of people don't know about. Um, so obviously my connection to martial arts is, is deep and profound. I still watch MMA and UFC. I've been keeping up with the sport for the past like maybe 13 years. Um, it's something that I feel like it's it's one of the best forms of self, self-expression and power and all this kind of ideas that Bruce Lee expressed. Uh, and if you think about it, man, just because I, I do consider to be myself a little of an MMA, not expert, but like kind of expert, um, he did kind of start this movement. Come along, children. Now we're going to have a little music. What's up, guys? We're back talking about black superheroes. I, I kind of want to bring a question to, to all of us right now and talk about your first connection to a black superhero on screen. And obviously, I'll toss it to you first, Winston. Uh, yeah, I mean, for me, I want to say the first time that I can remember it uh, for sure would have been probably Static Shock, honestly. But it was, it was, it was around because, I, you know, you had on the big screen, you had like Meteor Man and uh, Blank Man and whatnot, you know, Robert Townsend and, and uh, Steel. And Steel. I never saw Steel, honestly. Oh. I look, look, real talk. I, I started off seeing seeing Shaq's ass and Kazam, and I was like, nah, I'm, you miss me with the rest of that. I don't, I don't need none of this in my life. <laughs> but, but to kind of echo on that, I, I feel like that's where a lot of us are gonna say. Uh, for me, it's also the the small screen. For for a lot of us, it is the small screen because I feel like that's where they were first. That was where they were being first brought really, up, really, really pushed because like any of the on the big screen. Obviously, the first one it hit was Blade. I only saw the Blade uh, movies within the last two or three years. Uh, I knew, I know of Blade as the character. I was really only introduced to him via the Spider-Man animated series because, uh, you know, that was where a lot of us got filtered with a lot of characters, yeah. potentially, was the X-Men animated series, the Spider-Man and Batman the animated series. Um but it just goes to show there's not necessarily a lot of character like oh. black characters. So you had a situation where they had to find a way to kind of introduce them in and static actually worked because they just gave him his whole own cartoon the fact that you brought in little romeo to do the theme music for it and that just became an anthem for like black kids was was to see static and just be like yo like he's out here just just killing it like he's 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 amazing yeah. um and and then you saw the evolution into the, the to the big screen you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Then, then you, because Steel didn't do well. Like, that's the thing. We all joke about Steel and we know about Steel. But if I'm not mistaken, I don't think Steel did very well in theaters, right? Exactly. 
Um, so there's Hollywood has this idea because they're so business oriented that if it don't make dollars, it don't make sense. So they'll give it a shot, but if they don't see it, they move on, which is why yeah. you have to struggle for women being represented in action films and superheroes, which is why it was so important that Wonder Woman did so incredibly well. Like it was so important that Mad Max, you see the Furiosa like doing so incredibly well. You salt all these movies that genuinely were making box office and we're still seeing a struggle for women to be represented in that way, even though they have shown that they more than can handle that. You know what I mean? So yeah, it, it's a constant grind, I feel like. But yeah, static 100. for me. Static. So so I'll say mine real quick. You you kind of touched on it. Obviously, Blade. I've talked a lot about Blade uh, with <laughs> RB3. Uh, he knows all about it, bro. I swear, Blade like changed my life when I was a kid. Oh, wow. uh, yeah, for real. Like it had the two things that I will always love. And you know what it is, RB3? Vampires and martial arts. That's all you need, bro. <laughs> like I'm the biggest vampire guy. Like I legit like on the side, on the low low, I write like vampire stuff. Um I love vampires, like the weird, dark, gothic stuff. I and then martial arts. I would love to read your Twilight fan. Yeah, yeah. Read my, my, my <laughs> anti-Twilight fanfic. Um, my thing with, with martial arts, obviously, I had the Bruce Lee connection. So they combined both of that. So when I was a kid, I was like, I want to be Blade. Blade is like my go-to. Um, so Blade for me was kind of my first. And obviously, Jon Stewart, Green Lantern. Mm -hmm. um he stole my green lantern because i grew up Thank with you. justice league and the uh justice league unlimited mm -hmm. uh i'm gonna talk to you sabrina any any black superheroes stand out for you when you were growing up yeah actually my first memory ever i've talked about this a few times my first memory of going to see a movie in theaters was actually the first x-men so ah. that movie is so near and dear to my heart and of course holly berry is an actress who has been through so much in the industry and Storm's character is so great in the comic books and just throughout these films. And I feel like she's so underutilized and she's really incredible. So definitely Storm. And I, I echo what Winston said in the first half about kind of X-Men and what they represent, because also it goes back to what we were saying, kind of where they can just like look like there's something on the inside is just a little different and people judge them from that. And um, so I kind of get that connection also to like the LGBT community and kind of all of that, because it's just like the way the world sees them and judges them is based off of something that's all a part of like their insides. And so I always got that. So Storm was also definitely my first introduction and I've, I've loved her ever since. I hate to change the conversation, but what happens to a toe when it's struck by lightning, Sabrina? <laughs> what happens to a toad when it's struck by lightning? It's in the movie. He says it. It's her most famous line of all time. Wait a minute. Wait a, wait a minute. This most highly sought after free agent. How you not know? This is a previously asked Schmodown question. I'm not. I'm not. I actually think it is the same thing that happens to everything else. Is the I like remember that, but yeah, it. Yeah. No, that's she, the thing. I'm not, hey. She's you know great, what? though. I Halle Berry, I, I think she's great. Obviously, there's and, a lot and of... Was, and it kind of, even, well, even just talking about the X-Men, like the films that they just recently did, um, Alexandra Shipp, I think, was the actress. They just completely underutilized that character, and they could have done so yeah. much more. And it's and it's just disappointing, because we got, we got the whole Mystique, which that's also another character that doesn't have to be white, but you get somebody like Jennifer Lawrence. Like, it just, there's just so many, so much opportunities with stuff like this to 
create a certain world and make an impact with your film and they just don't really take those chances and it's just kind of disappointing yeah especially with mystique you have a very solid point because the whole point of mystique even though it's in yeah. her name i don't i don't i hate puns so much is that we really don't know where she's from because she's such a changeling like that she could be hundreds of years old though she could be from anywhere in the world so like you're exactly right you could have easily tapped a lupita you could have yeah. tapped uh uh well, she would have been too young and not famous yeah. enough, but I think of like Yara Shahidi and stuff like that. You could have had any sort of like great actress of color come in and play that role because Mystique literally has nothing anchored to who she is. Yeah. Can, can yeah. I push back on that a little bit? And I can't believe I'm doing this. And mm. I'm sorry, RB3, because I'm leaving you hanging. Uh, uh, there is a conversation to be had, and I've had it with RB3 before, about the idea of covering up people of color uh, through makeup. Ah. Ah. And through and through digital effects and through all this other stuff that I feel like a, a lot of it happens. Um, this is just something that's kind of personal to me because I've talked about it when it comes to any Latina actress. They are usually covered up in a, some way that kind of hides their Latinaness, I guess. Um, I don't know. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that, because to me, that was that would be my only be like, you know, uh, let's show off her who she is like she's black. I disagree, and okay. that's just because, well, especially in, in the recent films, which is what I was talking about and really referencing, um, it's Jennifer Lawrence, and every chance they get, they show that it's Jennifer Lawrence, and they don't, they don't hide that at all, so if it was another really great black actress or, or actress of color or whatever, they, like, if she's, if she's doing it, like, they'll, most of the time, it'll be, the focus will still be on her, and yeah. also, I think Mystique is just, even just as a character, just represents, like, a really strong, powerful woman, yeah. what we've kind of seen throughout and so it'd be really really um i feel like beneficial to see that kind of representation on screen and I'll, it doesn't matter if she changes appearances sometimes to get i'll to counter get your done. counter i'll counter your counter by saying the same thing that's been said for years narrative wise mystique her whole point is that she wants to be blue she wants to be the way she is so every time jennifer lawrence would cut back to jennifer lawrence it was kind of distracting when you were like, wait a minute, didn't you say you were going to stay blue forever? Uh, but Jennifer Lawrence didn't want to be in the makeup chair, which again is very public. Uh, and that's why she was always Jennifer Lawrence. I mean, that's, that, is, that is a fair point. I, I guess that was where I was going to side with Sabrina is be like, yeah. because she's a changeling and because yeah. she spends most of her time trying to blend in and exactly, um, it really could have been anybody and you could True. because of the way, but you're right. that. Jennifer Lawrence was kind of being a diva about it and was like, yeah. nah, you got like an hour of this. I ain't going to do this for 12 hours every day. You out your damn mind. So, uh. yeah. 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 Uh, RB3. Which, you know, I f it's funny because when we have this conversation, I, I want to bring up an example of something that's not necessarily um, superhero related, but it is, was formerly the biggest movie of all time. That was right, Cameron Tartar. And if you look at the cast for a lot of the people who play Navids, like, you know, the uh, like the Zoe Saldana's, um, a lot of the extras who played like in those big crowd scenes of the Navis and the, the blue people, a lot of them were played by black people. And I think that was literally intentional by James Cameron because he was trying to make a metaphor for the people of color, the indigenous people, the, the African-Americans or the Africans who were uh, ex exposed to colonialism and stuff like that um, as an effect of, you know, uh, of white 
uh, uh, of white uh, Eurocentric, um, you know, territorialism and, and imperialism. So it's like, you know, and and so for me, like, I see, I, I see that a lot of directors are kind of sugarcoating the pill to some extent of like, oh, like if like if 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 this character, if we don't want to make the direct metaphor that this is about race, so let's just make it a different race, but like a blue race or an orange race or something else. So I, I, I see what they're doing at the same time though. I, you know, we we're having the conversation about diversity and how important that is too. So like being unabashed in your metaphors and your messages is also equally important, if not more important, especially during this time. But yeah, I, I, uh, but in terms of the mystique conversation, I mean, that's actually, I mean, I never really thought of casting a black mystique, but that's actually a pretty good idea. Um, and, but you know, Again, it's one of those things, and we just talked to Josh Trank about it recently. Uh, you know, for our Josh Trank episode, sh- the studios got to be the ones who are, yeah. are going to be okay with this kind of stuff because, at the end of the day, no matter how many uh, white allies that we have on our side, no matter how many people who uh, are campaigning for, uh, no matter how many white people are going to campaign for um, black characters and black representation. Um, it's all coming down to the to the studio heads and how they're going to handle those situations. And for Fox and during Fantastic Four era, they didn't make that right decision. And that's you know, and we see right. what happened from there. So, no, that's I mean that's that's fair. I think at the end of the day, you have a. I can see the random pushback with with Fantastic Four. There shouldn't have been. You could make the argument though with Mystique that again because of her changing form and everything. You could also argue the only thing you really need at that point, because they put Jennifer Lawrence, who was the hottest actress at the time in the film, yes. you just need somebody of that caliber. You just need yeah. somebody that, that has reached that kind of stardom to, to try and pull, which is why I pulled Lupita. I don't necessarily think Lupita, I think Lupita has the acting chops, but I don't think she really fits the character. But I was just trying to think of somebody that was A-list at the time that would have wanted to do that. Well, even think of like Zoe Kravitz, what they did with her character at the beginning, and then they kind of just like pushed her to the sidelines completely. And it, it's just it just shows like, and they put them at the forefront. We have Professor X, uh, we have Magneto, and we always have Mystique. Those are the three we see in the X Men films that get the most attention, have the most storyline, have the most screen time, basically besides Wolverine. So it's just that's just something that I would think would be like really important. Yeah, and it's one of those things too where I feel like that's always going to be the excuse they use, right? It's like, hey, we need a famous white woman, otherwise it's not going to make money. And it's like that's not a good enough excuse anymore. And I think the best example to that to that and is also a transition of mine is Black Panther, right? Mm. Look at what Black Panther did. And Black Panther wasn't obviously actors in Black Panther are huge names, but it shows you like this myth in Hollywood that oh, if it's a black guy, you can't. It's not going to make money. Or if it's a black woman, it's gonna. We're gonna go broke. And it's like that's not true at all. It's one of the biggest movies of all time, and it and it showed on a financial aspect to Hollywood why it's worth investing into people of color and, and black people. Yeah. No, I a thousand percent agree. That's why for me, what uh, Black Panther, Captain Marvel, Wonder Woman were like the three biggest superhero films for me. I mean, I've, for the obvious reasons, there's Infinity War and Endgame. But if you're talking about what it actually meant for movies and for the superhero genre, all three of those, particularly because they were unabashedly black, they were unabashedly female and powerful and all that kind of stuff. Um, it literally said everything you've been saying, 
you could shove that shit right up where the sun don't shine. You know what I'm saying? Like that's not that is not the case at all. And here's the proof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and absolutely. they always and they always use bad examples of that where they're like, "Well, we made this movie starring a woman, and it made no money. Therefore, all movies with women make no money." And, and it's y'all like, made what? Jumper, and that shit was trash. You <laughs> let yeah. keep making fucking white male superheroes, so you can you can let us have a a steal or two before we all of a sudden <laughs> are out the game. Come on now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it really shows a lot and, and, and where we're headed. And and that's kind of my follow-up question to that, RB3, is like, where are we going when it comes to black superheroes and black superhero representation in film? Well, I think we're headed to a, a more a more positive and productive uh place. I, I I don't I generally don't think this is a wave. Like we've seen waves of good representation, bad representation kind of floating in and out of Hollywood before in the past. But I legit don't think this is a wave. I think this is a time and a period in history where people are like clamoring for, uh, you know, more insight into the black experience where people are clamoring for more um, uh, to, for to see a black hero and black um, person who, who, who is doing something game changing um, across the board. So I think overall, I think we're going to be headed to a, a place where uh, a, a movie like Black Panther is not just going to be an anomaly. It's going to become the standard, and it's not just going to be black superheroes. It's going to be all multiracial superheroes sometime down the line. Because at the end of the day, these are all untapped markets that Hollywood hasn't figured out yet. And once they figure out that there's way more money to be made than making eight Batman movies and six superhero and su six Superman movies, and they can actually make money off of something like a Blue Beetle or a or a Black Panther or uh, any other. Uh, person of color character they're going to start they're going to start tapping into that more often yeah that's always the biggest thing that i've been talking about and obviously you said it the best is the idea of like yes showing more representation can actually mean more money bro like you're all always concerned about the financial aspect but that's part of it and it will show if you make a good movie and that's what people want to see. So if you invest in the creators and invest in the talent behind the camera, like they did with Ryan Coogler uh, for Black Panther, you're going to see the results. Mm -hmm. yeah, so uh, already, Winston, uh, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it, man. Uh, thank you for joining us, for talking about it. Uh, where can anyone find you? Yeah, for sure. You can find me on all the, on all the socials at the Swaggy Blurred, T-H-E-S-W-A-G-G-Y-B-L-E-R-D. That's Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Letterbox, uh, Patreon.com slash the Swaggy Blurred. Got some dope uh, tiers there, including you can actually be a part of my writer's room for Positive Black People News. Uh, the, the top two tiers are able to submit stories, and I pick one a week that I co-write that story with them. So you can actually, if that's something you were interested in ever, like getting into writing and stuff like that, that is an opportunity to do that. Um, and then on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Blurred, every Thursday I do something called Swag Back Thursdays where I play an old school game and I give you a hip hop and R&B playlist to take as a souvenir. Uh, we play that while we're streaming and then you get to take that home and chill that. So we just hey. did, uh, uh, what, Batman Arkham City yesterday and uh, or on whenever Thursday was because <laughs> I don't know when this airs. And so... <laughs> Uh, it was that was 2011, so that was like the rise of Young Money. So Take Care came out, Pink Friday came out, Wayne was dropping hella singles, uh, Jake Cole dropped Cold World, uh, Big Sean dropped Finally Famous. Like, first of all, that was nine years ago. That's insane. That's crazy. 
but it, it was so much fire. So definitely check those out. Uh, but thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, Blurred's of course. Of that too. Yeah, don't forget that. <laughs> yeah, man, of course. And we know you got the moves. You've showed it, man. Hey. At the, at the Doreen's Doreen. live stream. I man. forgot doing Pony <laughs> came on. Yeah. Oh, Jesus, bro. <laughs> so if, you, if you guys haven't seen that, you can now. Yeah, it's back up. It's back up. <laughs> man, I, I feel like uh, we got to get a part two of this conversation because I feel like we 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 almost yeah. barely scratched the surface of this. Yeah, uh, we did. We topic. did, man. Yeah. Either way, go. shout out to my boy Miles, Miles Morales. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, either way, guys, for the meaning of podcast, I'm Andres. This is RB3. I'm Sabrina. That's Winston. And I'm Winston. Hey. <laughs> Peace, guys. Peace out. <laughs>